0: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Marban Iranshad. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have Marcus Willis on the podcast, uh, just uh, an amazing story, I'm, as I'm sure many of you, if, if you're tennis fans at all, uh, have heard about, uh, you know, his run at Wimbledon. And, uh, you know, he's a, a great example of somebody who can, uh, who has battled adversity and, and come back and, and really done great things. And uh, I'm really excited to, to speak with Marcus. So uh, Marcus, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm really excited to dig into to your career and uh, the things that you've been doing and continue to do. So, uh, you know, as, as the viewers know, I give kind of a more elaborate uh, in, uh, intro of, of all your accomplishments before uh, we started speaking. But, uh, you know, I always get very interested in how people get their start in playing tennis. So I want to hear your story, Marcus, about, you know, your first time uh, picking up a racket and how you got into the sport.
2: Um I actually played badminton because my mum was a uh, a decent badminton player back in her day. And then my badminton coach uh started doing this mini tennis session on a Thursday which I joined in. And he told my parents okay, he's good at that as well. Like bearing in mind I was I was nationally good at badminton. I was in the I had GB trials under 15 when I was 9. So I I was pretty talented at badminton. Um I would have never made anything just because of my size, but um, that's where my hand skills come from. Um, but I, it, in the end, I had to choose between tennis and badminton because my parents, so there's only 24 hours in a day and I've got an older sister in school and stuff like that. So I had to basically pick tennis and I didn't play badminton again until like a few years later when I played for my school. Uh, and mm. I, and I, I wasn't as good then, but I was, yeah, still won a few matches.
1: Very interesting. You know, when you talk about uh, badminton, and, and you mentioned that you didn't think due to your body type that you would uh, be as good in it. Well, I mean, what type of body type do you need to be good in badminton?
2: I think you need to be, yeah, uh, short, sharp, hmm. um, just quicker reactions. There's, there's there's a lot of uh, good Asian badminton players, like Chinese, yeah. Indonesian. It's it's they're very very naturally more fast twitched is a bigger sport there whereas i'm tall i'm not 6'3 so um i'm not even if i was one percent body fat i'd still weigh quite a lot so mm. i don't know maybe i could have been an exception but i doubt it
3: <laughs>
1: yeah you never know mm. uh i mean you've certainly uh persevered through a lot of a lot of tough things so um but uh you know in terms of your junior career i mean you know you you became ranked as high as 15 in the combined junior world rankings but I want to step back a bit and just kind of ask you about your junior progression and kind of when it was that you were able to establish yourself in the top of the rankings and how you did that.
2: Um, it's It's a little bit of a blur for me but but I know roughly when I was 14 years old I was training 20 20 25 hours a week professionally and I gradually got a bit better like I was wasn't even best in my area and then I became like top two in my area and then I played the, the British Masters final under fourteen. So that was like a like a hell of a result for me then. So I was aiming for top sixteen in the country under fourteen. And then by the time I was under sixteen I played the Winter Cup for G B, me, Dan Evans and, and Lewis Barnes. So I was top three in the country under sixteen. Um, pushing on and yeah, played played summer cup for G B under eighteen they win to under 16. Um, yeah, gradually, gradually just, yeah, I think it's obvious, but the harder you train, I had a very good coach, and I just put the work in, and I gradually got better.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, what type of... Um- you know, overall environment, was it for, so I guess this will benefit some juniors. Like, did you do, uh, were you in an academy most of that time uh, as a junior? Or did you like also do a lot of, um, you know, pickup matches with, uh, with really good players? How did that all shape out?
2: Not until I was, I trained at a place called Bisham Abbey in Marlow. And it was hmm. me and my coach, Victor Rubinoff, who's actually married to Olga Morozova, who made the final Wimbledon uh, back yeah. in 1970-something, I believe. Um, so that was my coach, Russian guy, and my training partner Neil Porthley. It was just me and him for for about nine years. Um, wow. Sorry, not nine years. I trained at Bisham for nine years. It was me and him between the age of 12 and 17. So five years was just me and Neil. So we played each other all the time. Obviously, we were playing tournaments around the country and stuff. But it was we'd do basket drills and we'd do our routine then. An academy came in uh, with with tons of good players. There were eleven of us in the top hundred ITF juniors at the same academy. So it became yeah wow. better better for practice sets for sure. Um, and yeah, more varied. And then when I was nearly eighteen, I went to the I got offered a contract to the LTN. I went there, but yeah, I, I trained at the same place for for a, a good period of time.
3: Very
1: nice. Very nice. Kind of taking a step back a little bit. Uh, you know, we've talked before this episode, uh, about uh, English Premier League and, uh, bless you, and, uh, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham. And so uh, for those of you who, who are listening on the audio version of the podcast, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a Tottenham Hotspurs jersey and Marcus is wearing a Liverpool scarf. Um, but di- did you ever, uh, as when you were a junior, um, you know, you, you played badminton and I think that helped a lot, I'm sure, with your, like as you mentioned, you know, your touch and feel. Uh, did you play any soccer or any other sports to uh, make yourself into an athlete as well?
2: I did at school. I actually uh, actually ran for my cross-country team for my school. So I've got a very good engine mm. for a big guy. Um, yeah. So, I'd, yeah, I did cross-country for my school. Obviously, I was doing a lot of running for physical fitness with my tennis as well. Um, football, soccer, I didn't, I didn't stop. I didn't play past the age of 9 or 10 properly um, because of injuries and stuff like that. But it's something I, I'd love to do when I retire is play for a, play for a team. It's a weekend team. I, I love playing it. I play for fitness five a side with some of my friends. Awesome. Um, back before COVID times, yeah. every Wednesday night, eight till nine. Wow. I love. I love playing it. So. By what position? But no, not while I was playing tennis.
3: Gotcha.
2: Uh, midfield, attacking midfield a lot of the time. Uh, um, I, play, I played a, a match against Leicester City Legends a few years ago, and I played right wing. Wow. Uh, right wing or right mid. Right mid. So a lot of running like the next day was hard because it's 90 minutes and I'm not used to it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so much, so much fun. It's, it's lovely being part of a team as well. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: imagine uh, amazing for conditioning. Uh, very cool. Very cool, Marcus. And so, uh, you know, as we mentioned, you, you got to the very top of the junior rankings at what point in your junior career did you decide and, and uh, conclude that, you know, I, I'm ready, uh, to become a professional or that I want to do that.
2: I I probably dreamt about it when I was like eight or nine. My parents used to take me to Queens once a year on a Thursday, take a little packed lunch and watch all the players. And I sort of fell in love with Goran there. He was like my idol. Every year we'd try and watch Goran if he was still in the tournament. Um, And yeah, I got an autograph off him and and I thought I'd love to play here one day. You know, be a pro. Mm -hmm. Um, When it became a reality, probably 13, 14, when i started doing well nationally i thought okay well you always i always dream big um certainly as a a kid and a junior you have to i think if you want to be be good um yeah so probably from the age of 13 14 Mm -hmm. i thought this is something i want to do in my life yeah but you know professional yeah
1: no uh, that, that's that's awesome um you know the thing is you know, a lot of people they they dream big but it seems like they don't quite you know connected by putting you know the dreams into like a an actual plan and then you know putting in the hard work so like mm-hmm. what what allowed you i mean to do that uh you know apart from just the dreaming
2: uh i said my russian coach he was he's very strict i needed a bit of um I still do now, like I'm quite relaxed about stuff. I needed to, to really understand the work ethic and what it took. And I really did work hard, um, all those years, it was just off court. I messed around a bit, but once I learned that yeah, you got to put the work in on court,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that was a big turning, turning, uh, turning point for me. That's um, it. yeah, I mean, I am just thinking, thinking back now, it brings back all the memories of, of training. My parents obviously pay for my coaching. Mm -hmm. um that that helped um driving me around everywhere i was getting changed on the way to school so i'd do training in the morning get get driven to school and then go back for training again so Mm. my mum was a my mum and dad were taxi drivers for for a while they lost out on (laughs) on a lot of their own lives so i mean without that there's yeah there's no chance i would have made it
1: yeah definitely shout out to your parents uh they're so, so integral um you know, we, you talked about like the need to train hard and and that you know sometimes you'll get in these phases perhaps where you know maybe you're relaxing, but then you realize you have to train hard again. so uh, I mean what 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 do you do? like I'm curious about the technique uh, you know, for people who feel like you know I'm I'm in this sort of uh, rut and I feel like I'm lazy, but I know I need to actually push myself. Like, what are what's some advice you can give to really like jumpstart that uh, that change? You know, to to working hard.
2: Uh, I was very lucky. I was had a coach with me on court, and if I didn't put the work in, he'd send me home. I got kicked. Off, okay, mm-hmm. I got kicked off court a couple of times. <laughs> uh, so I knew if I didn't put 100 in, I'm gone. Um, but I would say to people, surround yourself with people who you fear a little bit, like a coach. Um, mm. You got to put yourself in the right environment, otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's going to be easy to just tap out whenever it gets hard. That's why people pay for personal trainers. Coaches are important. And for me, for me, it was actually, a, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss out on playing points here if I don't work hard in, in the drills. I was scared of that because I love playing points. So it was like an incentive, but there was consequences for me not working hard. And, and if I was not scared of someone, but I wouldn't mess with them. That was me as a personality. I needed someone like that working with me.
3: Yeah, I think that's an
1: excellent point. Uh, you know, there's books out there on like finding out your personality and then like what makes you tick and whatnot. But I I know my particular personality type I need accountability. I need somebody to, you know, push me because I actually, you know, for when other people ask, you know, for favors or for deadlines, like I'm, I, for whatever reason, like do that, uh, without a problem. But for my own internal things that I want, I actually need accountability. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the old, old adage of surrounding yourself with the five people, uh, or basically, you you're a product of the five people that you surround yourself uh, the most with. So if you have a you know hardcore Russian coach, that I, I didn't know <laughs> five, you, uh, but yeah, but good it
2: became my life. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd eat, yeah, early, go to training, and everything I did was to make myself a bulletinist. tennis player. Um, my parents were yeah, mm-hmm. they didn't let me get away with, with stuff at home. Um, I was very grounded. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm wondering on oh yeah, go ahead, yeah, sorry. So I I think that was important for me to have a normal life outside of tennis as much as you can. As well. So actually when you go home, now you're gonna do the washing up, you're gonna help with the chores, you know you don't get home and oh, I'm going to stretch and, and you know, you need to be you need to be sucked outside of tennis for a little bit, I do. Otherwise it just consumes you online.
1: Got it. Yeah, that's perfect that you touched upon that because that was actually my next question because you had mentioned that it, you know, it, uh, tennis consumed you and you, you know, we were all thinking about that pretty much. But then, uh, you know, I was gonna say, could that be like too much sometimes for players if like all they think about is tennis? Because I've talked with some mental performance coaches and they've said like, so, you know, sometimes what people do is they'll attach their their personal worth. With tennis so that like if they lose like they think that they're a piece of crap or something you know so that can be very detrimental but it sounded like you were able to also have this other part of your life where so tennis was not everything
2: kind of uh yeah I, I just didn't think about tennis sometimes like i do other things like homework or you know i wasn't thinking about tennis when i'm t- told to load the dishwasher or uh go, go and put the <laughs> compost out or something like that um yeah. But yeah, I, I was obviously a tennis pro, and that was the way I live. But um, I do find, certainly as I grew up, um, even from a young age, like as soon as I'm off court, I, I want to talk about soccer. I want to talk about other things. What I struggle with mm-hmm. traveling with quite a few other tennis players is people who go to dinner and talk about tennis all the time and strings mm-hmm. and 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 certain rackets and weights and, and just for me, I, I love the sport, but it became too much sometimes. So that's something I struggle with yeah. and I couldn't really switch off from it. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, so it's something that is very personal, I'd say. But your environment, the the feeling, yeah, environment is is very, very important. And I, you can change that. If, if you're lazy and you're getting away with stuff or not quite working hard, you can really change things. Like, if you want to lose weight, I don't buy chocolate. I don't buy crisps. It's it's mm-hmm. controllable. If it's there, I'll eat it. So I put mm-hmm. myself in a different environment, and it's it's much easier. Not right now, but in general.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's amazing, like, to your point, you know, like, if you have your cell phone right in front of you, then it's very easy to, when you hear a ring, you pick it up. But if if you have it in the other room, you're not going to hear it, you're not going to pick it up. So it's the environment thing. Same with the snacks and so forth. So Oh,
2: yeah, I, I have my, my notifications off on WhatsApp. I just have, mm-hmm. you know, um, I check it every so often. Because, yeah, if, if my yeah. phone, especially with some of the group chats I'm involved in. Like I'll be on my phone all day. It's it's bad enough I'm on it too much anyway. But um, yeah. As you as you said, you've got to. Yeah. If you want to improve anything, not just tennis, you've got to give yourself a different perspective.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. So um, yeah. I mean, great advice there. Very important points. Uh, you know, kind of. So going to your transition from the junior. From your junior career to the pro career, I'm curious uh, about how that was like for you, you know, how it felt, the differences between uh, you know ITF juniors and the pro tour and, and, and all that.
2: Um, my transition was okay. I, I went from obviously being a top junior in my first year on the circuit. I was like 550 ATP, um, which is all right. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was going to be Pretty good. easier. I wasn't ready for the, the shock of staying at the Grand Hyatt on 5th Avenue in New York, playing a slam to going to the wrong train station in Romania and nearly missing sign-in for qualities by myself. That all <laughs> that all happened within six months. I didn't know it would be quite so difficult. Um, as I said, the junior tour, you get everything paid for, you have a traveling coach with you, you know, you live a good life, and then... Oh, uh, by the way, you're going to you're going to Norway by yourself. Where's the destination? i look on the fact sheet. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and, and men's tennis, yeah, it's, it's futures level. It's, it's difficult. There's just more good players. You can't get away with. You can't get away with playing loose games. That's it. It's not like mm-hmm. oh, it was such a jump up from juniors to seniors. It was no. You can't get away with with little things. But those little things in a match in tennis is huge, right? 5% one way is the difference between winning six four yes. six four or losing six four six four. 4 mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I, I, I probably thought it would be a bit easier than it was because while I was still a junior, I qualified and made final. It was my first futures event with the LTA and I, I didn't make another final till I was 23-24. So I thought, you know, it would be easy. I made a few semis, but um, it's a very difficult transition, but I feel like if I was going to work with a young player now, I'd have them prepared.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: So I'd
2: have them not just playing junior tournaments, playing a few futures here or there abroad. Because mm. in the UK, it's pretty, you're in your comfort zone pretty much. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's interesting. Um, so I feel like i would be good for juniors mm-hmm. who, who want to learn about the transition.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, you know, we'll talk a bit more about. Uh, but you know, you you have a lot of experience teaching as well, uh, teaching tennis. Uh, I'm I'm curious. You know, you mentioned uh, and, and the tour is like so difficult. But but you you mentioned that you had made that final, and then there had been uh, you know f- a few years since the next one. I mean, wh- what do you, what do you think? Kind of why do you think that was? Like, were there? I don't know. Was it, did did the grind kind of get to you, or was it just an influx of more players, or or? What was it? Do you think
2: I was pretty. I was pretty sensitive, so I went to the LTA for a year. I lost my lost my funding. Mm. So I didn't lose my funding. I still have funding, but I lost my place at the LTA mm. because they they didn't think I was serious enough. Now I was the second highest ranked out of the eight people in, in the group, and I had the second best fitness test scores Wow! But it was a case of it was a case of people thinking I wasn't serious, and then and that that peed me off, and I probably buried my head in the sand a bit. Mm-hmm. I actually worked hard at Sutton, but I thought. I'd never had like a social life, really. I didn't go to my prom after party i didn't I sacrificed a lot and yeah, and I think at the age of twenty two twenty three when I'm living by myself, I thought, you know what I'm gonna go out a bit i'm gonna live like a normal person off the court, sure um, I always had talent. I always got good results from a futures level, but I was very alone. I didn't have a traveling coach i was everything I did was me mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and i think that's pretty impossible to do alone when you're 22 20, 21 22 years old
3: yeah
2: um as a young man with my personality which plenty of people have um mm-hmm. uh, i didn't realize the importance of surrounding myself with people who bring the best out of me
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and i kept myself in the game i wasn't awful i wasn't out doing drugs and stuff but like <laughs> <laughs> um I'd yeah, I'd come to some some but all of us, like the, the Brits are Brits are quite <laughs> famous for it. Like four four of us went out to Oceana, we got the night bus after a day training and we get back at four AM and we're up at seven for training. <laughs> and okay, we turned up and we did it, but like you're not giving a hundred percent then are you? Right. But when you're twenty two and young and carefree, it's like ah oh, I'll be fine. Got a tournament next week, it's all good.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um so' it was lack of professionalism that's my personality, and it's also being alone um I lived a p- pretty lonely life um from twenty one to twenty four twenty five and it wasn't until twenty three years old where I found my coach who took me to Wimbledon, where actually no after a day of training, i couldn't think of anything worse than going out because I couldn't walk <laughs> um I put the training in very, very hard, and okay yeah occasionally i Whatever, have a few beers with friends or at the club. I'll have the occasional night out. Um, it wasn't like a, a regular occurrence. I was working pretty hard, and that's when the, I got my form back. And the results came back.
1: Yeah, Marcus, uh, great stuff. You know, I I saw a quote. uh I think in an ATP article, and I'll just read it and then ask you about it. Obviously, but the quote is. I was overweight. I was drinking pints. I was just a loser. I looked at myself in the mirror and thought that I'm better than this. Uh, I've been behind the scenes working very hard, ridiculous times in the morning. Ran myself into the ground, but it's worth it now. So I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, in, in, kind of in detail what you did in, in terms of the fitness. Like what times in the morning did you work out? What types of workouts did you do? And I assume this was kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit before uh, Wimbledon or maybe a couple of years back. Because uh, I saw a picture of you in 2014 versus 2016, and it, uh, to me it was a world of difference, you know. So I was curious if you could give us some mm. detail into the training. Of that period
2: um it was so gradual it was more mindset i got myself in better habits mm. uh, i wasn't going out so much mm mm-hmm. um, so obviously the calories you consume from alcohol and, and food um i was playing squash with friends instead of going out to bars with friends i was nice happier in myself as well more relaxed um definitely mental for me mm mm-hmm. Getting yourself in good habits, and obviously I was training very, very hard with with my coach.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, yeah, uh, what hours was I training? Not that early. Sometimes eight am in the morning, but I had to take a train for an hour and a half. <laughs> so I was staying at home and getting the train into Surbiton every morning, then walk from the station to the club, then train, then do an afternoon gym session, then go back home again. So the days were very long. Like I'm up at I'm up at like five five thirty, and getting back at seven eight pm. Um, sometimes later, so it was tough. I remember, I remember getting back during a training block, and my mum had made these cookies for <laughs> just for the house people would have. And I remember thinking, oh, I, I was almost, I was so tired, I was cramping in my calves. Uh-huh. and I was like, man, this sucks, this completely sucks. <laughs> uh, but as I said, it's worth it. I, I, I push myself. My coach said to me, you've got to make sure that no one works harder than you today. Maybe they can match your intensity, but I can hand on heart say that I worked harder than anyone else. There's no way anyone worked harder than me those few years. No way. Yeah, I mean, that gives you... Um, and that's, that's that's why it happened in the end. I got unlucky. I didn't, you know, I was 300 in the world and, and I, I didn't get wild cards into quality. So not that you deserve them, but other players were, I didn't get the luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did, I didn't play well. Um, I was losing six and a third and Charlie's so like, it didn't just click. And then everything came together for that tournament in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I know. uh, and I feel like I deserved I feel like I deserved that. Yeah. It
1: certainly sounds like you did. I mean, running yourself into the ground and working so hard, you know, there's a saying in a, a club nearby, which actually, uh, you know Dennis Kudla and uh, Francis TfO They train at JTCC, uh, or at least they used to. Um, but the slogan is "Trust your training." And so, if if you're able to really train so hard that you know basically that nobody else is working as hard as you, then you can trust your training, and that gives you a lot of confidence to uh, to produce and that's exactly what you did. So, uh natural pro- yeah. Yeah. So I mean uh, natural progression to uh just uh incredible, you know, run amazing um that you that you deserved. So um kind of walk us through like I know at first you you had to go through Wimbledon pre-qualifying. And so I guess was there like a last minute withdrawal for that tournament that enabled you to get into that?
2: Yeah, so one guy who actually was going to focus on his doubles after that, didn't make his flight back from Turkey in time, so he, bothered, he didn't bother signing in. Mm. I only found this out after when I rang up and asked what time I was playing. I didn't expect. I was 770 in the world, and normally the cut was around 1,000. Mm. And so, so Richard joined us, said, Marcus, you were last in. I was like, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah. But about an hour before, he said, it's looking close. And I was like, oh, what? But I, I never thought I wouldn't get in. And then when you, when the stars align like that, you just, (laughs) shoot, um, that was lucky. So I got last in. I was actually coaching some like six year olds at the the local tennis club to me that day before I signed in. So I had to go down to London that night and uh, (laughs) stay at a friend's flat (laughs) and I hadn't hit a ball on grass. I just played Germany the week before on the clay. So, Uh. um, I, I was playing tennis, but you know, I was happy. I was relaxed. I stepped onto the grass. We got a 10 minute warm-up, and then I pre-qualified, <laughs> um, played three guys, Bambridge, O'Mara, and then Joe Salisbury. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's who I beat to pre-qualify. So pretty good tennis player, especially on grass. Um, yeah. And then I was over the moon when I pre-qualified because I, I thought I was done. You know, I was, I was looking at jobs in Philadelphia
3: uh-huh. the
2: year before. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's, it's a it's a dream of mine to move to America. I'll do it one day, but um, that'd be cool. I was going to do it then. Um, and then obviously I was always planning on signing in because it's Wimbledon. Sure. Um, and then yeah, after I after I beat Salisbury, I was quite emotional actually. I sat there in the chair like, "Whoa, I've got another Wimbledon qualies." Um, but never in a million years was I thinking about qualifying. Like I, we the night before college I went to Coldplay with my family and mm. Coldplay concert at Wembley. Had a few pins. <laughs> just super chilled. Like wanted to win, but happy, just happy to be there. Yeah. Um, I don't believe. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be all inspirational and go, "No, I wanted to fight for every point or win, qualify and win Wimbledon." I wasn't thinking that.
1: Mm. One at a time. I was
2: thinking, oh, "Let's see the draw, and I'll try and win that match." Yes. And I'll try and win the first point in that match. And the second and the third, and that that's how I qualify for one mm. if I had all these massive stupid goals, there's no way I'd have become probably yeah I' just yeah I, there's no chance I would have um done what I did had my mindset not been focused on on the now
1: hundred percent I mean that's where a lot of people go wrong, you know they're thinking about winning uh like a much bigger goal sometimes well you know they're focused on winning instead of like what you said you're focused on like winning the next point and the next point and the next point that's how you you build up without you know your your mind going crazy uh and getting nervous and whatnot even though nerves are are natural uh, but i'm sure they fade away for you hmm. you know a little bit after the match starts they're
2: good i mean nerves nerves are good yeah nerves are good uh but not to the point where for me, it's if I if I have expectation in myself, or if people around me expect things, that's when I don't do well.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: I I just train very hard, and oh, you're almost playing an autopilot. You're doing, you've trained so many hours a certain way. You don't think too much. You go out there and play your game. That that was it.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: I trusted as you, as you say, I trusted my training,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and things clicked. I know a couple of times I played Wimbledon Qualies before I had some awful matches. Yeah. I made second round when I was eighteen, Qualies beat Amir Delic, who was mm. made third round of Aussie Aussie that year. And the next round I played horribly against Stoppini. Mm. Then I played Wimby Qualies a few years later and I, I couldn't over a forehand, I'd just become someone said to me, Oh, that's like the easiest draw you've got, the guy who hates grass, and I couldn't play. I lost three and three. Mm because I was thinking and getting consumed by 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 crappy little comments around me.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's huge. That just underscores how important the mental mindset is, you know. Um so it's it's very interesting, you know, because you you go from pre-qualifying still great players, but then you, you know, you play <coughs> qualifying, you win that and you, you know, you well, I'll kind of hold off on the story, but I'm curious about, like, the different levels, let's say, between pre-qualifying and qualifying players. Like, how much difference is there really in between those players' games, and like, how much did you have to raise your level of play or strategies or anything like that?
2: Well, my first round in college, I was 6-1 down in 17 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was a bit of a shock, but I do think that when you play better people, you up your game. Mm. Um, but yeah, the standard is it's it's a massive difference. Mm. I mean the guys I beat are good players, um they're all doing very well in doubles now, but you know they're winnable matches um It wasn't like a huge shock when I beat them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um the way they play, like you're always gonna get chances that I don't know that it's it's all about time with tennis like they'll they'll the better players don't double fault at 30 or they mm. take the ball half a step earlier they put the ball uh, an inch closer to the baseline than someone else does mm. um it's not like if, if you're watching them hit you wouldn't go oh he's better than him mm. but over the course of an hour and a half tennis match it's just the little things but you can really feel the pressure when you're playing better players mm. So, so. The- um, and it's it's a big step up. It's more than junior to futures, I'd say, from pre qualies to Qualies. Mm. Huge difference from Qualies to main. If you get a seed in the main draw, it's tough. But like guys that are, that are or 90 in the world, aren't, obviously, are much better than guys 110 in Qualies. Right. Um, qualifying. Actually, the two, the three matches I played in qualifying were tougher than my first round.
1: Mm. Even though Barankis was uh, that's top I, sixty,
2: it was fifty four. But I just beat Rublev and Medvedev.
1: Yeah, <laughs> pretty nice wins.
2: Um, pretty nice wins. Like they they were better players
1: mm.
2: even then. Mm. Um, so when you beat two guys that good and you keep your level high, it was kind of a step down. Yeah. Um, mm. but I have managed my my nerves really well against Barankis. Mm. Like I got myself in some some sticky situations, I got out of them well. Yeah, it was all about holding my nerve and hitting my spots and playing my way because I was playing that well. I, I sound arrogant saying it now, but I, this is my this is how I was playing. Um, I was just beating those two guys. So Barrancas, yeah, winnable.
3: Sure, sure,
2: winnable. Now, nowadays, like, forget it. But right then, in that moment, you've got to you've got to accept whatever moment you're in and and mentally prepare for, you, for
1: your,
3: next map. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent.
2: Um, yeah.
1: So, so you were yeah. basically like, you mentioned how there were these little things, you know, maybe hitting the ball a little bit deeper, the half step. So like, I guess once you started playing those players in the qualifying rounds, then you basically kind of realized you had to do that as well. So then you just kind of automatically had that gear there because of your, your training, I guess. And that's how you were able to match them and even, you know, exceed. Is that it?
2: yeah another another thing my coach said was was Train above match intensity, so when you mm-hmm. come to the match, it's not too much for you so we were we were taking the ball though we were doing some ridiculous tempo <laughs> drills, um uh, three minutes on cross court hundred percent intensity sprint, <laughs> and then come back We were doing some ridiculous things but <laughs> so actually when in in a match, I was never like at the backs like struggling for breath or running out of ideas or or being blown off the court because you know sometimes i'm playing with two guys who are running me side to side and double score yeah it, it was never it was never a case like if someone was going to beat me they'll be better at tennis than me they would be more skillful dictate a bit better or take their chances on that day i wasn't going to lose through lack of fitness or temper. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah 100 and so it's very interesting um you know i mean rublev and and you said was it medvedev you said
2: i yeah. make to qualify in yeah. for
1: yeah yeah so those players I mean I th- I mean especially now anyways they hit super hard and 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 seems like flat as well and probably back then but did I, I was curious like how what was the the game plan for them because I, I know like from watching some of your matches it, it seems like you have a dynamic game and great hands and you know sometimes you'll surprise them with with certain shot drop shots and what, whatnot so what was your plan like what, what worked for you against that st- style of big hitter
2: i was serving very well uh-huh. i was I was, vo- I was volleying very well excuse me hmm. um so for me i was very simple in my head was keep holding vary your serve hit your spots um, very serve volley don't come in all the time don't give them any patterns on my service game mm. and all theirs especially Rublev was try and get the ball in play on, on, on the serve hang in there and, and and see what I can do especially at the start you want to keep as many balls in play as you can so you can see what patterns they are going to play mm. so it was very simple in my head and as the match goes on yeah you read them a bit mm-hmm. um, by the end of the Rublev match I had him serve volley <laughs> Like he was really, he was really, um, Medvedev different. I was five, one down. Um, I actually lost the first set six, three, but I was five, one down. I really had to reevaluate what was going on. Yeah. Like I stopped survolleying volleying so much. I wasn't playing in the corners. I had to really, I didn't play very pretty tennis to win that one, mm. but I had to.
1: Yeah. I do what you got to So You were down five, one in the, the first. Down,
2: down the middle, mm. five, one in the first. And then I had five, three break point. Mm. He ended up holding, but yeah, I, I, I somehow managed to stick in that because he was just putting balls past me, angles, uh, return winners, serving bombs. Yeah. Um, I I I, I remember thinking like, ah, oh, last round quality, this sucks. Imagine <laughs> getting your ass kicked last round quality.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it. And happen. then
2: something, yeah, but and by the end, by the end, I was actually showing control, I was. Serving for the match at five two in the fourth, like I felt like I couldn't lose points. Whereas two hours before, I was, yeah, he, he was he was super good. Yeah, over there.
1: yeah. awesome. I mean, there's...
2: not just not just power and tempo, but like the angles he'd come up with, his reach, his accuracy. I was I was blown away by the first few games there.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, yeah,
2: um, but luckily he was a bit more fragile when I played him than he is now.
1: Still an amazing win. Um, um, yeah, yeah oh,
2: great. Yeah, I mean, I played great, played really well. Because he to get to the last round, he was winning like six two, six two, six one, six one. Yeah, he was chopping good players. So <laughs> the next year, I think he beat Stan first round.
3: Yeah,
2: well, second round. So I think he was he was good. That was a hell of a win.
1: Yeah, yeah, awesome stuff. And so, um, just want to uh, talk a bit more about the win against Barankis uh, before we go to to play, you know, playing Roger, which is, uh, amazing, uh, with Barankis. So how did you deal with the pressure? Was the pressure any, like any different? I mean, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. So you were just basically I one time.
2: Like I, I was, I was happy and like, I wanted to go and get stuck into the match in my head. Mm. Obviously I'm quite pessimistic. I thought I was like, I want to make a match of this. I don't, I can beat him. Of course I can. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to turn up at Wimbledon and lose one, two, and one. Right. <laughs> because I played him when he was when I was fourteen. I lost two and zero, oh, like oh. in super quick time. He he was a hell of a junior. So, um, and yeah. So for me, it was like I'd, I'd always when I was about to quit and go to America, I was, I was really upset that I never got to play men's Wimbledon.
3: Because
2: mm. actually, I, I would go off topic here a bit. A few years before, when I was with the LTA. Um, we lost in Qualies, me and my partner, but we got in as a lucky loser. But I was told to go to Norway and play this tournament, even though I said, "Look, I want to rest, I want to chill out this week." They were like, "No, no, no you're going to go to Norway." And I got a call in Norway um, from the uh, from the referees office saying, "Marcus, you got in."
3: Wow
2: oh, My man. partner was in, my partner was in London.
3: Ah, oh, man.
2: And so I, my heart sunk. I was like, well, "What? I would have played men's doubles at Wimbledon, but still playing at Wimbledon main draw, you know." <sighs> man. Um, so when I'm playing ankis, I'm buzzing to be there. Yeah. Absolutely buzzing. Yeah. yeah. Like the happiest man in the building.
1: <laughs> yeah. Icing on the cake. Yeah.
2: Um, so. Well, as I had my coach there, I called him up saying that I qualify for Wimbledon because I wasn't playing at the time. So he was up in Huddersfield with a new job. Oh. I was like, Do you want to be my right coach for Wimby? He was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I, think, I, think, uh, I think he was at Wimbledon before I was. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he obviously prepared me for my match. Mm-hmm. And then I had a plan. And then I went and won. Yeah. Well. So, yeah, as I said, I, I gave myself the best chance.
1: Yeah. Well, if you remember, what was that plan? I curious.
2: Again, very simple with me and my surf. Uh huh. Um, with him God, you're taking me back now <laughs> there's only two or three things that i think my coach said he likes to when he runs around his backhand he likes to go inside inside out and then inside in it's like pattern Ah,
1: uh, interesting
2: um he says yeah he gets a bit tight sometimes on his second serve hits the ball very flat backhand better than forehand
3: mm.
2: blah 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 stuff like that but it was more about he hit with me before my match it was the physical preparation mm-hmm. very cool um but yeah, if you give me too many instructions, my my head explodes. So
1: yeah, I mean <laughs> that, you're not alone. I I think that's a big thing too. You know, as you know with coaching as well, when you're coaching people, uh, players, and you give them like too many things, and they it's better to just focus on a couple of things.
0: So uh, smart, smart of your coach. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens so uh yes,
1: obviously we want to get into uh the match that you played uh second round uh Wimbledon two thousand sixteen against roger feder uh i mean what what were your emotions uh before the match, and then how did you try to you know maybe uh if if you felt like you needed to to kind of calm calm yourself and whatnot to get ready uh, like,
2: honestly, I was in such a good headspace that all I thought was, "Oh, it's pretty cool. You get to play Federer." I was excited to play on center court, and I knew it would be a big match. But I was like, "Oh, it's pretty cool. Um, what am I going to do?
3: Hmm.
2: What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to win?" Um, nice. I got out there. I think I won like twenty-one, twenty-two points in the first set, but lost six love. So I just got a bit carried away on the big point, which is what Roger makes you do because he takes the ball so early. So you you feel like you have to do something special. When I, when I got down and relaxed, it was actually a pretty good match. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a point away from reserving for the third set, I believe. Great point at 4-3 in the third. So, yeah, I was giving him a match.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: Performance, but, but in my head, no, it was like, oh, this is cool. Whereas if you think about it from the outside, if, you, if you're if you watching on telly or watching, if I was watching a friend, I'd be like, whoa, this is mad. <laughs> yeah. But me at the time, I was okay. I was all right nice and i'm glad i was actually because uh, yeah you don't want to be a rabbit in headlights out there
1: yeah no 100 um what was, similarly what was the game plan of like one to three things that you were wanted to do against roger
2: well in his first round against guido peller he looked like he was struggling to get short and low to his backhand it Looked like he had a bit of a back problem mm. so it's <laughs> it, this is war right so i was going to yeah. target that yeah sure um keep the ball low to his backhand side uh, but apparently he had like an injection <laughs> the, the night before the match and oh, like he was just stepping in and crunching <laughs> oh man so that was the plan as well as look after my serve but, but I was I was in a bit of pain actually in the third set of the Barankas match um, this is why I lost by the way guys <laughs> yeah. in the third set of the Barankas match I felt my, my ab go a little bit so I served although I served nine aces like I was in quite a bit of pain uh. Um, and then the adrenaline kicked in and I was fine. Mm-hmm. But I remember in the warm-up, I didn't hit a serve over the net. I was really struggling to get up and I had, uh, some ibuprofen, some like heat gel on it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough. then <laughs> When, when you're getting, when you're getting, um, serviced like that on center court, you, you find a way to, to get going.
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, so so once um you know once uh Roger he adjusts well I guess he had the shot right and then he was hitting you know these great blow backhands then what did you end up uh, doing kind of instead to try to to win and you made it a competitive match
2: um very very much vary the serve uh huh um mostly more often than not serve volley mm-hmm. because when I was staying back he what I didn't realize about him was how solid he was. Mm. People think Roger Federer, flashy angles through the leg tweeners. (laughs) He did none of that. He kept the ball close to the baseline. He was measured. He dictated the point. He didn't go for anything too crazy Mm. at all. And I was blown away with that actually. I had a lot more balls in the court than I thought I would. Just, just in nothing special, deep early. Um, I was expecting, you know, to like look one way and him hit a win or the other. Uh, but it wasn't like that. Hmm. I don't think he needed to, but but actually he's unbelievably solid. And when I didn't serve Oli, he was very good at putting the ball deep in the middle of the court and slow. And then yeah. standing just to, to the right, as I'm looking of the center baseline, just creeping, looking for that forehand. Uh. So your options are either go down the line here, try to go for a winner, or if I don't get it cross-court or deep enough, he's going to have me on a piece of string and I didn't like that feeling. So when I serve Oli, he's blocking, okay, he's going to put some good returns in. But that's my best chance of of winning most of the point. As soon as he's neutral in a rally, it's obviously his favorite to win the point. Yeah. Um so I just I just kept trying to make the first hit or even bring him to the net. I wanted to play the match as much as possible on my terms. Um so if Roger's coming in on his terms, yeah. No one wins. No one wins anyway, but I brought him in a couple of times when he didn't want to be brought in. and Had a bit of success from that.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. But yeah, whatever I tried, unless I'm, um, I needed him to have a, a, a very bad day and me to have a slightly better day. Yeah. And and it and it can happen. Sure. But but odds are it's not gonna. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very. And they sh- and they shut the and they shut the damn roof. <laughs> so that that didn't give me any any more
1: of a chance. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. So was it? Did it start raining a bit, or
2: it was forecast for rain? I think it did rain. Okay. So when they told me that, I was like, okay, yeah, no worries. Yep, yeah, all good. <laughs> but looking back, I mean, I remember the final against Murray. He played when that roof shot.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. <laughs> when you when you play when you when you the ideal scenario to play one uh, Roger is. It's a little bit of wind flying around the sun up there. Right. A few, a few things to to level it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. When when you put a roof over, no wind and indoor tennis with Roger, yeah, Mm. I wouldn't back anyone to to win there.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, it it was just an amazing moment, and uh, you know, it was very cool that he was. It looked like he was gracious and let you have your, uh, time. I was wondering if did you do you all exchange any particular. Like words, I guess, uh, as well that you think might be interesting and you could divulge.
2: No, he was super friendly like the, the day before the match, um, and the day after, and I met him last year at Wimbledon. He was super friendly. Like, hey, Marcus, how are you? Like, he's super, super nice guy off the court. Um, but the minute like when I saw him warming up before the match and on the court, he's he's got a switch to him, right? Like, he wants to kill you. Mm what you gotta do he wants to kill you but 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 with class there <laughs> with you <go>. um, yes <laughs> graciously kill me just carve me apart nicely i
1: will, I will destroy you good sir <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah the things i was most surprised about him was yeah his solidity mm-hmm. and um how much of a warrior he was when he got to court mm-hmm. um yeah what, what what words did we say at the end just the normal pleasantries I think
3: yeah.
2: I think I was like yeah well done good luck yeah and he was like fantastic run whatever uh, nothing uh, nothing out of the usual
1: sure sure sure
2: yeah I appreciate uh, but yeah well, lovely guy
1: Good to hear that. Uh, yeah, it definitely seems like it. So it's good to get confirmation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed hearing how you mentioned, you know, even one of the top players in the, in the world and of all time. He's not, he didn't do anything special in that particular match, and I guess in a lot of matches, you know, just the, you know, deep balls and and sending a bit, I guess, to the left, looking for the forehand, those basic types of things. So that's uh, it's kind of something that people can carry from from uh, what he did, uh, as well as you know the great things that that you did. So I think uh, what's really impressive is, um, you know, you returned to uh, Wimbledon the next year and you had some really great success too. Uh, So, uh, you know, kind of maybe walk us through what it was like to, again, you know, get to qualifying. I, I know we're touching, you know, it's a little bit tough, uh, some of this story, but like basically getting back to Wimbledon, playing qualifying and, you know, in, in many people's estimation, doing very well, Uh, you know, in, in that, uh, in the qualifying and then also in doubles. So kind of walk through what it was like to to return again and, and still put out, you know, a great performance.
2: Yeah, it was good. As you said, it's a little bit bittersweet for me now right. because... I made last round qualities I lost, right? The, my second round qualities against Brody, it was quite late. It had been raining a bit. And I, I won the first set and I remember the umpire saying it's getting dark now. I'm struggling to see it. and It's getting wet. Mm. Under. This is after I've won the set so I'm not looking to get off for right. my reason. <laughs> if anything, if anything, it's going to hinder my progress right. or help Liam. right? Um, so I've said, look, it's getting a bit damp. The ref comes on. No, 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 no. Um, anyway in the third set I, I think I was 5-2 up I fall, I, I slipped mm. on the grass and smashed my knee mm. I ended up holding out for adrenaline but I went to the physios after the next day I got out of bed and I couldn't push off one leg ah. like it, it, was just gone um, and I played Marchenko, dope top. I didn't hit in the morning I had painkillers mm. um, I could only serve like I, obviously a very good player I don't think I was, might not have won um, but I was so peed off. I was sat in the chair after and they were like, Can you come and do press? And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leaving. No, I was so, so angry. And I remember saying to my agent at the time, like, I shouldn't have played. Like this happened, I, I saw it coming. I've fallen over, I've hurt my leg. This is the this is the attitude to qualifying in tournaments, I so just went out of the way. Um and <laughs> he was like Buddy, you've got to work in the doubles. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Wimbledon's my favourite tournament. It's not Wimbledon. I love I love Wimbledon. I was just very bitter and very disappointed. Right. At the time. So I did the interview like, like this. Through <laughs> gritted teeth. Nice smile, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, I, I had my leg taped up because I went to see someone over the weekend. They were like, look, it's your decision. It's Wimbledon. But it's not looking good. Like You shouldn't really be playing. And I was like, well, I'm playing. So I've got, um, I've basically got my one leg in a cast every day, Uh, but I'm serving absolute rockets. I didn't lose my serve in the first two matches, mainly because of my partner, but, Uh, um,
1: ridiculous run.
2: Yeah. So we're two sets down in the first round, got through that bit nervy start. And then we play Heather Mahu, and we're thinking, oh dear, (laughs) these guys are good. This is only the second tournament I've played with Jay. We did pretty well the week before, but like, a pretty scratch pairing. And yeah. We ended up losing the first, and then Herbert played like one of the worst service games I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Like one miss volley and three doubles on the baseline. Wow! And then Mahu did the then Mahu did the same. So we're five one up. <laughs> We've won the second set six one in no time. We're set all with these guys, and then all of a sudden we just started playing unbelievable. <laughs> like we won the third in a tie break, Like, um. They've called a double fault for Jay on their set point to go 7 5, and I've challenged it, and it's in. He said, hit an (laughs) ace. Like, we've played a great tiebreak, and then we're 5 4, love 40 in the fourth. And uh, I think Jay missed a return. Then I've hit a return that lands before the net twice, and then we lost the fourth set, like 7 5, like that. And we're like, ah gone to the toilet with jay saying no oh, no we need to win this yeah. to- <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: and then luckily we we played a really good br- a game to break and we just held wow all the way to the end but th- this is middle saturday this is my parents were a bit bummed because they missed a u2 concert and they love U two. <laughs> but they said like it's well worth it like, yeah, of course. i thought imagine if imagine if we lost in five from having those three match points yeah but that would be, be like and they missed U two concert that would be rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was the middle of Saturday. All all the drunk drunk people were coming in, and it was like a Davis Cuff atmosphere. There was chanting, cool court three, my favourite court. Like it was just just bliss. Like I came off after that match, like so elated. It was like a feeling like the year before after I beat Berankis. Like yeah. it was just just I felt on top of the world. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just that's ridiculous. But it's
2: so unexpected. We ended up losing to the fi- eventual finalists. Like three, four, and six. They were just better than us. Um but yeah, made, made second week of Wimbledon. Made made last sixteen of the level. Yeah, pretty
1: good, man. Um
2: and 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 had I had I mouthed off in an interview, I probably wouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah. So been. it's good to, it's it's good to keep your mouth shut sometimes, guys.
1: Sure is. Yeah. I just kinda pause right. and think about the ramifications. Yeah. Yeah. So uh that's amazing though. I mean you you know, you had that knee injury and then I guess you know, it you just Kept it kind of isolated it like gradually. Half, it was
2: like halfway up. Ah. It was just below my knee, like halfway up my shin. Mm. I think I think it's like you can see it online, my fall. Mm. I slipped the. It It was wet. It was wet out there. It
3: was, yeah.
2: I don't think we should have been playing anyway. <laughs> um, My knee's gone the wrong way and hit the ground in the middle as I'm trying to change direction.
1: Yeah. Luckily, it got much better, uh, obviously.
2: I wouldn't have been able to play singles Let's put it that way. Okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> Man. it was painful like really painful um but as i said took painkillers had treatment and it was taped up pretty heavily so yeah i wasn't moving into the net as quickly as i wanted but we were serving eye formation and i was mm. serving bombs and mm. on returns and doubles you can guess a bit you don't have to really run so yeah it, it, pro- it might have even helped me in the end like guess aside and, and swing mm.
1: So yeah, that's true.
2: Curious. About, I, should, I should be grateful if anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things happen for a reason. Um, that's interesting yeah. with, with the I formation, I'm curious to ask you this strategy question. Uh, how do you, how does the person at the net and I formation, uh, how do you decide which side to c- call the, you guys to move? Like what's the thought process?
2: Very simple. So the guy at the net calls it. Okay. He'll put his, fin- his finger out, uh-huh. he'll point in one direction, and you just say you just say yes or no. Okay, and then he'll show you where he's going. Yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah. but I- so my job, my job is to serve one way and move one way, yeah. and he covers the rest.
1: Yeah, but do, do, I'm just wondering though, like, what do you have any tips on, like, what side? Like, say you're the net player, and you're like, okay, I have to pick which side. Like, do you do, what's like, what do you usually think about when you decide on the side, or is it just like totally random?
2: Well, the net player, as a net player, you want the volley, yeah, uh-huh. or you want them to give it, give them the toughest return. So there's something called um, the natural body swing, the natural body shape. Ah. Uh-huh. So if a one-hander's backhand will hit across themselves,
3: uh-huh.
1: that's
2: the easiest shot, right? Ah. Uh-huh. And same with the forehand; it's easy to hit across. So if you serve to someone a right-hander on the ad side, if you serve to their body backhand, the net player will more often than not go left. Hmm. Because that's the name, the way they're naturally going to swing. They've got to hit this return, fade it down the line. If you get the serve right, that's quite a hard return to master. Yeah, and and the net player is covering the middle as well. Yeah. Um. Just... So so you've got to think. Yeah, if they're swinging across their forehand, basically there are some much exceptions
3: and cut it off. Hmm.
2: But yeah, the natural body swing is yeah across your body.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Thanks for that. That's that's really uh... so. If if
2: you, if you cover that as a net player, you're going to be pretty successful. But there'll be some players that have really good down the line returns. So <laughs> yeah. you've got to work it out as it, as you go along as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be very rare, especially for you know a lot of the people listening three five to four five a few five Um So that yeah, the, the natural body swing is a great concept. Really appreciate you uh, letting me know about that. So uh, yeah, and I mean just got to say it. I I don't think you mentioned, but Mahout and Herbert uh, Herbe I forgot how to pronounce it, but uh, they they were the defending champs, right? Like they won Wimbledon the previous year and They're then you defending beat them. Yeah, yeah, sick. That's really sick.
2: Yeah, they were they were they were they they didn't lose much at that time. Yeah. Like it was, it was a huge shock to me. Like the guy I was staying with at the time said, like there was probably more chance of me beating Federer than us beating those guys.
1: <laughs> wow, that's
2: because yeah, but I mean those guys were they didn't really lose. I think they won quite a few slams and like yeah, me and Jay's second tournament like was, <laughs> you know British wildcards. Um, not played doubles together before. I was ranked eight hundred in the world doubles at that time.
1: And he beat the number, whatever it was, three, three and four or something? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, they were, yeah, they were third seed, I, I believe. Uh, or second seed. Yeah. Yeah. Second seed, yeah. Hmm. We were right at the bottom.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, curious, did you receive as much press as you did for the Federer, you know, the previous year, like with the, for the doubles run? No.
2: Like, even in the roundup for Wimbledon, we didn't even get, like, it was like a, Apparently a thirty-second highlight of uh, Marcus and J1 and doubles. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just not I mean, for me. I was like, oh okay. Like, <laughs> but also to make third round Wimbledon doubles, I got I got more money for losing and qualifying. Mm. I got more money for losing last round quality singles and making last sixteen doubles.
1: Is that after splitting or before?
2: Ah uh, no. So what, what did I get? I think we got thirteen thousand pounds each mm. for doubles wow. and singles. I got sixty sixteen k for last round. Wow. And I find that I find that incredible. Yeah. I find it much easier to make last round qualies than third round doubles or last sixteen doubles because you got to beat a top team to make last sixteen.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's. Yeah, but,
2: but that's me personally. Like it in, in qualies, you can be. I beat Andre Martin and Brody, good players, but at the time they were both. Late ones, early twos. Mm-hmm. So on grass, that's achievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure.
2: Uh, beating Heber Mahou, I think that's a 1 in ten, one in 20. Mm. Depends good. how inspired me and Jay go. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Maybe put a bet down or something. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think that's possible or it's possible to change that and, like, redistribute for doubles or is that not going to happen, do you think?
2: I mean, it's still a pretty... You get to play at Wimbledon. You get thirteen k. Like, yes, I think you get five k to turn up. It's it's not it's not bad. It's not a bad life, right? You're just never going to become a millionaire unless you're the Brian. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but I think I don't think guys are playing for money. They're playing. They get a nice life, um, and the potential to to win a slam or play at the O two or. Mm-hmm. I don't think guys do it for that. Um, but yeah, the, I don't don't see the money. Ever changing because I guess we're getting thirteen k each, me and Jay. So that's twenty six grand. The Wimbledon are losing, mm-hmm. or paying us. Mm-hmm. Whereas singles are just paying one person.
3: Right, right.
2: So just, just, just on the nature of you've got two guys to pay. Yeah, it's already... you're gonna get less money.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah,
2: uh, and and also it's not for what it, I I find it interesting to watch, but it's not as Watch the singles
3: most of the
1: time, right? For whatever
2: reason. Yeah, yeah, that was like I mean, I if you ask the the average tennis fan, name ten pairs playing right now.
3: No, it's tough.
2: I uh, I don't think a lot of them would name more than four or five.
3: Yeah.
2: Whereas singles players, you go bang 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 bang.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: that totally. Um, great. it's just not as. Also, the courts you play on, like you you don't get to Fender or court one until the final semi. Mean, yeah. Um so Yeah. It's just yeah, it's just the way it is. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to change it but but I wish I wish yeah the dub guys did get a bit more but um Yeah. You know, like when someone says to me, Oh there should be more prize money at futures level, yeah, I think the level should, but, but how? How are we gonna get more money? There's no one watching. There's yeah. So what what you can't just magic money, you can't just Magic money from nowhere and give them to people because they, cause they, deserve it, right? Um, so I don't have a I don't have a helpful answer for you. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's like I don't know what else besides redistributing, you know, money from somewhere else, other tournaments or something. But yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the cut's very much at, at the top. But yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like it filtered through a bit more. But um, and I, I I think even the top guys are thinking that, but. I think the the guys that are being paid very well are making a lot of money for the sport. Mm-hmm. Whereas guys 600 in the world aren't making any money for tennis or the ITF Tour or ATP Tour. So I th- it's the way of the world, isn't it? It's it's yeah. tough, but it's the way it is. Yeah, it's like whoever's... Just got to try, try and get up there and play the big tournaments and beat these guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like whoever's...
2: Good, luck, good luck to you. Yeah, good luck. I <laughs> know it's... No, for for me, I had to do it. I had to pre qualify, qualified, and I got my paycheck and got to play at Wimbledon. But nothing comes easy.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, I had to break even. I had sponsors all my, you know, I had a couple of sponsors that helped me out when I was young. I wouldn't have been able to play without them. So Um, it takes some real crafting for for most players.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it seems like it's just you know they pay according to how much you you're bringing into the sport. So uh, yeah, it's it's a tough situation.
2: I think so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's how I read it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's how I read it. Yeah, uh, Marcus. You know, you you as we touched upon earlier, you you've taught a lot of players. Uh, I just uh, I know we've gotten some great tips from you, uh, but I. I I wanted to ask you, in your experience from teaching players, what are maybe one or two of the biggest mistakes that your students uh have made that you have kind of focused on to to help them fix their game
2: Well, I think even now it's it's more mindset and it's hmm. people and players want want to be feeling good like rallying they, they want to hit all these balls and feel great hitting cross court for thirty minutes mm. Mm-hmm. Or you know, play points out out of the hand. Let's play some points out of the hand. Whereas it never happens in tennis. You've got to make sure you serve and your first ball are good, or your serving pans, or your return. Like at a pro level, like the points over within four, four four shots most of the time, right? Right. And people people are focusing on eight and pl- eight eight and beyond. They're focusing on the ten percent of points that happen in a the match. They want to you know get into rhythm from the back and have long rallies. Whereas yeah, Djokovic has got a very, very good serve and very good returns. He doesn't he doesn't just, you know, rally people out from the back all the time. He's very, very effective. His serve and first shot are amazing. Yeah. But people because they, they look at highlights from a match, you'll see a 30 shot rally and you'll think, oh, okay, that's what I've got to do. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Um it's not it's not really interesting watching aces and unreturnables and serve return winner. It's not. But that's what tennis is a lot of the time. And even now, the attitude is uh, you, go, you go to tournaments, you see people hitting all these. Sometimes people are not even practicing returns or like let's just hit a few serves over at the end. I've trained at academies and even the National Tennis Center when I was younger where you go in like three or four days without serving, you're doing technical stuff and movement drills and playing points out of hand. Hold on, not hit any serves. <laughs> so I think that's still a problem. And, and I was guilty of it as well. You want to feel good from the back. Right. And that is important to feel good because for if you, if your mental mental state when you're playing a tennis match, you want to feel okay. But I think far too much emphasis is going on to technique and and you know being able to last thirty shots the same ball without breaking down. Yeah. Okay, it's important, but why don't we focus on the weapons? Yeah. More. Yeah. So that we don't have to do those thirty shots all
1: the time. Yeah, it'd be nice <laughs> to avoid those. Those are those are painful. I mean, yeah, you've got sure. a big engine, but you know, for most people, it's tough.
2: Yeah, but like a, a lot of players. I mean, even <clears throat> even like I love watching Diego Schwartzman play.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, cause he's, a, he's a little guy, but he takes the ball so early. Mm-hmm. Like he must be horrible to play against. He's not just running and not missing. Yeah. Like he's he's got weapons that's why he's good. It's not, he can, of course he can rally all day, but he, he just, I don't think he particularly like wants to, or has to. Yeah. I don't think if, you know, if he, if he wasn't as aggressive, I don't, I don't think. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Just focus on more on your game and making your weapons even better rather than focusing on weaknesses and like you don't see John Isner doing cross-country running hours and hitting 400 <laughs> backhands cross-court, right? He's gonna be he's gonna be practicing serves. Yeah. Yeah, Ray isn't, going to, Yeah. Well, oh, Schwartzman's not gonna start chip charging. Right. Make make sure your strengths are, uh, are even better.
3: Yeah. I mean, but you've
2: yeah. got to you've got to put some emphasis on your weaknesses, but if you do, yeah, you've got, that that that's my advice to players.
1: Yeah, that's really good advice. And you know, Rublev isn't going to start serving volleying unless he played you and he gets pissed off. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I think if I played him now, he he might he might not need to.
1: Yeah, well, you never know. But, <laughs> but uh hey, yeah. you know what's really funny? I uh, I went and watched some of your uh uh matches on YouTube. And uh, I think there was a match against uh, Ilya Marchenko, which, you know, was a tough one, obviously. But he he actually commented underneath that video. And I, and I found out that he has like a YouTube channel and he posts like drills. And he's actually oh, really he's actually hilarious. Like, I, I don't know. I just I was laughing a lot. Um, so I don't know. It's kind he of was random.
2: fired up that day in my face. He was in my face about that day. He's a nice guy, but I was pissed off with him that day.
1: Sure. I could I could totally I think, see that.
2: I, I, think, <laughs> I think I was pissed off at the world that day, to be honest
1: yeah it's it's but no it's good it, it's yeah. good
2: having personalities in tennis i'll I'll check him out
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah i thought that was pretty cool i'll try to talk to him about it but um yeah yeah and i, I noticed too i think it was that match where like when you're walking to the net to shake hand you you, you kind of gave like a little bit of a laugh to to maybe your box or your a friend just like you know i mean what could you expect right i mean you're injured you know
2: no no not not as such i think he got like super fired up and a couple of people in the crowd started like cheering when he was missing a bit, and I, I sort of told them not to like come oh. down, like it's not good etiquette. And he, after he won, he sort of went like that, oh, like gosh. in their face. And so, no, it's fine. I would have done the same. Okay, but I just found it like <laughs> I was just I just found it fine. I was yeah, like, oh, really?
1: You like this wanker? I would have done exactly the
2: same. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I would have done exactly the same thing if if someone was chirping away at me for a while. Sure, sure. I would have probably done exactly the same thing, but I just found it quite amusing. That's all. Yeah, 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 Okay. It, s- was. it was. Okay. Know, if you would have seen what I saw, you would have found it funny. Like, I was like, oh. <laughs> Because I was thinking that's exactly what I would have done, and I'm on the other end of it now, and it's, ah. Uh, yeah, it's. One of those things. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I was hurt. I managed to play pretty well. I was just peed off because hey, look, he's a nightmare for me, Markenko. I don't think I would have won, but I could have got a set. I could have maybe won. right? Maybe. Right, right. Uh, but there was no, there was no chance I was winning that day. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I I really, really struggled with my movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was hurting to the point of like, it made me angry.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries.
2: <laughs> but no, no, he's a, he's a class player. Bad matchup for me. I probably would have lost, but I'd like to at least felt like I had a chance that day.
1: Sure, yeah, like give you have the best uh, opportunity, best shape, and all that. But uh, I mean, like we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, amazing doubles is pretty sick (laughs) uh yeah yeah i mean actually what is it about wimbledon that really gets you to perform so well is it the grass like is it the atmosphere and like you know home country is it like everything or
2: home home, crowd grass uh traditional tournament i've loved it since i was a child so yeah yeah i don't know i i can't i don't know that it always brings out the best of me though yeah awesome
1: man awesome
2: like i really yeah did yeah you feel relaxed and at home and i fired up actually yeah yeah
1: well uh quite the run quite the run so Marcus uh I, I know you you probably have stuff to do and all that but I have a couple more questions if that's all right um curious about uh just kind of moving forward you know your current goals and aspirations it looks like you're playing you know a lot of a lot of doubles and uh you know I'm seeing you on Instagram posting these stories of, of you traveling so what what's the current uh plan for you moving forward
2: yeah it'd be good to play some more doubles tournaments whenever possible um but at the moment, yeah we can't train in the u k so it's it's just a case of yeah trying not to put weight on too much <laughs> um trying to work out when I can um and waiting to see what happens really. You can't be too proactive right now, so yeah um yeah uh, to be honest, I don't really know what moving forward what's gonna be happening yeah
1: yeah it's it's a crazy world are, are there any particular things that you're working on uh at this time uh that you want to improve in order to you know get to the next level and you know make more breakthroughs and so forth
2: just my body keeping my shoulder elbow, everything supple hmm. um when i go onto the court obviously doubles different games singles so yeah more positioning stuff quite quite boring things like where to stand um uh where to put your first volley, where you stand to serve if you're crossing or doing eye formation. Mm. It's it's a lot of tactical stuff um rather than hitting loads and loads of balls. Like in singles you have to hit a lot of balls. You have to serve every other game in doubles, you've just gotta serve every four games and be in the right position. So Yeah. Where- um for me it's about making making sure like uh, my body's my body's okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, wh- you know, you mentioned uh, where to put the first volley. Where do you actually want to put the first volley? Is it like deep and somewhat in the middle, or how to? Do- where is it usually? <laughs>
2: no, no, you don't. You, if you go down the middle, it gives the opponent a oh, yeah, chance. To poke. Right, right. So yeah, you've got to be. Again, you don't want to get them too wide on the angle. Very much depends who you're serving to and where you're going.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, but you want it central in their half of the court,
1: right? That's right, yeah.
2: And you don't you don't want to ever give them the same shot twice. So when they hit a four, you don't want to give them the same four. Mm, that's one of the rules. Prevent the groove, like because pe- people get people get into rhythm. Yeah, and you're yeah, just dead.
3: yeah,
2: Uh But that's not always possible, right? So, yeah. In the ideal world, you want to hit your serve and, and not come back, or your partner cuts off the volley. So you're just working at being again working on your strengths and being a bit more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than, than anything else. Makes sense. Completely different ball game to singles.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you have any any uh, tips for players on how to develop a better serve?
2: Um, Do I have any tips? It's a, a lot of um, miss serves are because of the ball placement. Uh-huh. Um, I find that if you throw the ball not miles into the court but either directly above your head or a little forward. Uh-huh. Um that gives you some momentum to get your body weight into the court, and you can add five ten mile an hour just by mm. just by your ball placement and and leaping into the ball gotcha you can add more weight to your serve. um but yeah, you want to be moving forward on your serve. like as as you you want momentum like you you don't see good players like hitting four hands on the way back <laughs> yeah right so it's a, it's the same with a serve. you if you want to get the most out of it you've got to be moving into the court.
1: Got you, got you. But with the way weight- and, and you get
2: two serves. Yeah. You get two serves, so your first one. I don't like it when people just, like, get their serving. Especially like, a lot of club players, I oh, just put the serving. Right. You can do that on your second. You've got a free serve. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? That's what I'd say to, 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 to club players.
1: Yeah, yeah. Get that... Uh... Get that swing going, swing speed. Um, you know, with the weight, I uh, just curious about the weight transfer because, you know, you obviously want to throw the ball into the court. But uh, do, you, do you agree with this concept that it's the service kind of like a shot put where you're like loading, you know, the back? And then I guess, you know, then you just transfer the weight forward. Is that kind of the key to the weight transfer?
2: Kind of. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, very much so with, with your weight transfer. Back foot and then on the front, but it's a lot quicker, obviously. Mm. So a lot more dynamic. And there's different ways you can start a serve, right? Yeah. But the concept is, yeah, you're starting, and you want certainly the finish of a shot but You're going forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool.
2: Or some, yeah, a lot, a lot of players, even some, some pretty decent players on, on the future store or national players, are throwing the ball above their head and just using their arm. There's no legs. There's no momentum going into the ball. Yeah, I, I um, mm-hmm. it can be, it can be improved every but from a lot of players.
1: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Actually, I interviewed Nathan Pasha a, a couple weeks ago and he, you know, he's a doubles player uh primarily and he mentioned that that was actually one of his problems that he he found that he wasn't going into the court uh so he started doing that more and it helped a lot. So, uh, that's a great tip. Uh great tip. So, uh, Marcus um I just want to ask you, uh, where people can, can follow you and see what you're up to, you know, any social media profiles, any websites, anything like that.
2: Yeah. I'm, uh, at will 90 W I L L B O M B nine zero on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's about it. Sorry for my content. We need some work
1: <laughs> i think it's quite good i i enjoy it you know so I, I keep it
2: i keep it lighthearted and, and pretty factual so yeah yeah there we go for
1: sure for sure no tiktok yet
2: too, too, too not yet i'll probably have it in a bit but i'm i'm big stubborn at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah sounds good man sounds
2: good well um i haven't really worked out what it is but i'm sure i will
1: yeah yeah. So, uh, final two questions for you. First, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're wearing our uh, soccer teams regalia. Uh, any thoughts on uh, Liverpool' future uh, future outcomes for them?
2: I think this season it's uh, we want a good Champions League run uh-huh. and put pressure on City. I, I'm not expecting too much other than City winning the league. So our focus is top four and, and a good Champions League run um and get our our first starting 11 back firing a fit again we've got van dyke gomez Matip, um henderson and fabinho playing center mid again um just keeping people fully fit and, and hoping to sign mbappe in a couple of years mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we could
2: all dream can't we
1: oh man that would be that would be tough for everyone uh yeah cool man cool yeah i'm just hoping we get kane back personally um for hot spurs but uh yeah
2: every every everyone would want spurs uh kane in their team
1: yeah yeah he's, he's ridiculous so him and son but uh <laughs> great stuff marcus so final question for you uh you've given us a lot of great tips today but i like to end uh, most of my podcast with this question which is what is one key tip that you would give our audience to help them improve their tennis games
2: um, one key tip would would be keep make sure it's enjoyable still.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Make sure you're enjoying yourself. Um, work hard. I mean, it's it's a, yeah. Depends on what level you are. For for, for aspiring pros, uh, make sure you're outworking everyone else. Trust your training. Um, and and for adults, yeah, listen to your coach and and work on your strength. Mm-hmm. more than you're working on your weaknesses
3: mm.
1: very good stuff with. i would
2: say that that's how you get better or more scary to play again
1: mm-hmm. well, Marcus, someone who's
2: okay at everything isn't as good as someone with a massive serve and a forehand
1: that's true if seems like that's the minimum requirements these days for the tour anyway um but yeah you're right yeah yeah so Cool, Marcus. Well, hey, uh, thanks a lot. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, I I hope you enjoyed it going back through mostly fun memories. And uh, you know, we look forward to uh, following you. And so, everybody should go to uh, Marcus's uh, social media profiles. Follow him at Will Bomb ninety, and we'll have the uh, that those links to his social media profiles in the show notes uh, on the show notes page. So uh, Marcus, thanks a lot for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, wish you the best and we'll be following you and, you know, hopefully, uh, things will open up and, and you all can kind of ball out there again, uh, on the, on the, the tour. So, uh, thanks a lot for, for joining us and really appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks
1: Marcus. Cheers. No worries, man.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Marcus. Thanks for listening to the tennis files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.